Hey guys, welcome back to Tap That Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Walters, and this is the very first podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience. Um, well, not studio audience, I guess I should say live tap room audience. So uh, a few episodes back, I did an episode with Bonnie Jackson and Paul Rosevere from Irene's Tap Room, and we started talking about the possibility with their really good sound system to broadcast this podcast in front of people, right? In front of a live audience. So, so we set this up and unfortunately I was missing one small crucial piece of equipment (laughs) that would allow me to plug in my recorder to the sound system. So I basically just had to plug in my microphone or put my microphone in front of the speaker to capture the sound, which is why it's not as good as what most episodes sound. Shout out once again, though, Chris Dodson made it sound way better than it originally did. So Chris, you're the man. Shout out to Bonnie, Paul, Aaron from Irene's Tap Room as well. Aaron's the sound guy. He helped me get everything set up. And um, shout out to the people who participated um, on the panel. Bonnie, Leah Huss, Ken Wilson, and Keaton, a.k.a. Bruce Traveler. So it was a good time. Keep an eye out. Next time, we're going to do these about once a quarter and a uh, different topic each time, different panel each time, but really fun to do it in front of a studio audience or <laughs> taproom audience, brewery audience, whatever audience. So keep an eye out for the next one. But for now, let's tap into live at Irene's Taproom. Okay, so here we go. First live Tap That Easy podcast. Guys, this is like an all-star team of faces. Like the Harlem Globetrotters. So we're going to talk about big beer, independent beer, buzzwords, cool stuff, and craft beer. Right? Okay. Yes. So first we have to meet everybody. So we'll start with this lovely lady in the hat. Hello. Who are you? What do you do? And how do you define big beer? I am Leah Huss, Huss Brewing Company, mother to one super sassy eight-year-old, uh, and also the woman that runs our business. And um, this is my 17th year in craft beer, and I define big beer as the largest breweries that are making beer in this country, if you want just a rough definition in passing. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. So not ownership or anything, just largest, the big ones. Yeah. That would be the very literal term of big. Yes. Right? <laughs> to make it easy. Yes. To dumb it all down. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Mr. Uh, Black Shirt. My, my name is Ken Wilson. I've been in the business for 23 years now and started with Guinness Import Diageo. I have two kids, seven and ten, that are awesome, and my wife is hot and looks like Jennifer Aniston. So hot. All right. (laughs) All right. So how would you define big beer, Ken? Uh, I I would pretty much go with the Brewers Association definition, which is less than six million barrels, which, I mean, that's there's a lot of... Less than or more than? Less than. Did I say more than? No. Less than. Okay. Six million or less is how you would do it. So if I would follow along with the Brewers Association guidelines, so independent beer being six million or less... And that's less than 3% of the total beer if you're at that 6 million mark. So all those breweries combined are less than 3% of the total beer taken in this in the U.S. Gotcha. You're a numbers guy, Ken. That's what so I like. many numbers. <laughs> <That's a definition. laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I blacked out a little bit. There, He's but, kind uh, of a big not, deal. I think we lost everybody on that, <laughs> kind by of the a way. Big deal. Oh, it's good, though. It's good. <laughs> I, I love it, Ken. And uh, this lovely lady right here, who are you? Uh, I'm Bonnie Jackson. I am the uh, one of the owners of Irene's Taproom with my wonderful partner, Aaron Taylor, who's working on sound Woo-hoo! engineering right now. This guy is a stud <laughs> here. <laughs> uh, born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. Um, this, I have been a, uh, I guess, self-proclaimed connoisseur of beer for a long time, but this is my first uh, jump into being a part of the actual industry. So... Um, I guess we're getting veterans and, and newbies to be part of this. My definition of big beer. Buckle up. <laughs> At Irene's Tap Room, we only serve independent beer and wine. So okay. that tells you where I am on this spectrum. Uh, big beer definition is companies that are monopolizing the industry and don't really care about the small guy. And not only not care, but make an active approach at killing that. 
So that's how I define that. Okay. Okay. All right. All, All right. right. <laughs> and this uh, handsome fellow right here. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Keaton Arnland, Brews Traveler. I, I just basically talk about what these guys brew. But my definition, I guess I would only say I, what comes to my mind is uh, beer that's just very like widely available. Okay. The beer that anybody can get their hands on. Okay. So it's not as crafty. Yeah. And maybe we can talk about why it's so wildly available at some point and Absolutely. the market share. Sure. Yeah, yeah for mm -hmm. sure. I think that's kind of why big beer is on everybody's kind of radars, I guess, in craft beer is because of this craft beer revolution, right? Um, I moved out here 2007. I think there was 35 breweries. Now there's what, like 110. So I think it's, it hasn't always been this prevalent, right? The, right. the focus on, on big beer, right? What do you think? Like, what is... What have you seen? Because you guys have both been in the industry a long time. What have you seen happen in the last, let's say, 10 years? That so have... I think a big defining moment, to be honest, I think things didn't get hostile, if you will, yeah. until Anheuser-Busch was purchased by InBev. Uh -huh. I grew up going to St. Louis Cardinals games and going to St. Louis, We that was like our closest big city. And so we kind of knew all things bush because that was you know the bush family and the brewery and the that that was st louis right okay. um and so they're they were still family owned and i don't know that their tactics got crazy if you will until that all went down it didn't seem to be that way until then um and you know miller cores i think they're on a different level I think that, and I don't know, can you attest to that as well? Like, I think that they're a lot less hostile with... They seem to be, and I think the yeah. fact that they're based in Denver, yeah. and that, that they're actually, you know, an American-based company, Miller Coors, and they have some iconic brands, but right. I would I would agree with you that InBev got really aggressive around 99, 2000, okay. and then... And then yeah. Budweiser was the crowning piece of that. Right. Um, and, and some other big brewers, Heineken and Carlsberg split Scottish and Newcastle in half, which were the largest which was the largest brewer in the UK at the time. Right. Imbev bought Bass, which had a big distribution footprint in the UK. So it all started very kind of locally. Okay. And then it moved and then what happened is when you had somebody like Carlsberg and Heineken split something, then all of a sudden you've got you've got Kingfisher in India in play, which is the largest brewer in in India, and then you've got Cronenberg, which is the largest brewer in France, in play, and so now all of a sudden pieces are being broken off, right? And 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 you know legendary brands, right. and so you could start to see the writing on the wall that consolidation was coming. Okay. So you know you yeah. if you go to a Heineken page, the the amount of brands is staggering, and for the reason and and they're all purchased for different reasons. But when I think you take like like Leah saying when when AB was taken out of when when it wasn't that I mean there were signs saying save AB at the same time that there were places that said AB free in their window. Yeah. They flipped. The, they flipped the switch that quick because now all of a sudden, an independent American iconic brand right. that was American owned was being taken over by the you know Brazilians and and the Belgians. So I would I'm, I would totally agree with you. That's where the kind of change was and all the things that led to that. And to go back just a tiny tiny bit, and sorry not to derail, but growing up in the Midwest and where there were breweries all over the place, you know, for many many years, um, and they defunct and things happened and things. But my dad always talked about going and taking his dad's growler down to the local brewery. And I think that that's kind of what we've actually seen is the renaissance of what America looked like before is that every city had their breweries. And, you know, when you go to great cities, beer cities like San Diego and Denver, you see that as the cornerstone. And Arizona's just been a tiny bit behind that, really, you know, in getting back to the way that America actually was before the rail cars were shipping beer all over the place and before it was just getting trucked to wherever. We were talking about 99-2000, the purchase, right, and how everything changed. Was it in conjunction with some of the biggest craft brands that were getting bigger. So Rogue is 90s, uh, right. Four Peaks is 90s, um, Stone, Stone, you know? So maybe. it's like maybe it was in conjunction with them realizing that there was someone out there to compete with. I, you know, and I think that realistically, from an insider's perspective, and I've got a really unique view because obviously I was a... Uh, consumer and retailer for 14 years. So I saw things for 14 years that Bonnie sees, and now I have the option of seeing on the other side. Right. You know, so to be on both sides of that, 
I don't know. I mean, yes, those guys were getting bigger, but the real reality of that is, is the financial investment that it takes to get yourself sometimes to these next levels. I think that honestly is more of what drives it. You know, it's kind of what do we need to do to invest? When you see breweries like Breckenridge, which are dear, dear friends forever. I love Tebow. You love, love Tebow. Tebow. You build a $21 million facility in Littleton, and then I don't know if it then hits you that you have a $21 million facility that you have to pay for, or just if it's just it so scary that, you know, you're then like, you welcome in offers. You yeah. know, I don't know, and it's not for me to judge and see, and yeah. I don't know. Yeah, well, and... and you bring up an interesting point because there is Stone and there's Rogue and there's Sam Adams and Sierra Nevada, kind of mm -hmm. some OGs in the business. And Trailblazers. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And, and there, was a, there was a spot in the marketplace for them. But the other thing that, that you look at, and, and take Big Beer aside because they have partnerships with distribution, distributors made a lot of money on those brands. Mm -hmm. I mean, because they weren't, it wasn't a low margin 30 pack. Right. It was a high margin six pack. Mm -hmm. So in 95, 96, mm -hmm. 97, you know, it was a valuable piece to a distributor. It right. offset what they were already doing and it didn't take anything away because at the time that was taking away from what we thought was wine and spirits. And now right. th that, that's flipped back the other direction somewhat. You know, talking about what Keaton said where he said it's wildly, wildly available. We can talk about end caps in on-premise. We can talk about where that market share is. And you know this, you love to get Capital Orange Blossom or yeah. any Hus can, right? Yeah. Coffee Kolsch, Copper State. You right. want that end cap. Right. Right, yep. and it's like we're now fighting. Uh, independent beer is fighting for those spots, right? In stores and in 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 my four doors, mm -hmm. even as a small retailer. I mean, it's like I don't know. I I think that uh, it's frustrating that these craft brands get purchased, uh, and and there's and there's uh, an approach behind it. Like they are doing this intentionally. I think that what it is is the marketing of it is what I think that people get most frustrated about if you want to label them zombie crafts. You know, when I always refer to God love our neighbor, Randy, our old neighbor. Mike, like when, Randy goes to, can. when Randy goes to fries, Randy looks for the cheapest IPA. You know, and it doesn't matter if it's yours or mine or if it's like zombie dust or, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. So if it's going to be something that gets pumped out of Golden Road, or a lesion, or whatever, yeah. he's going to grab it. And he doesn't know that that's not actually craft if it comes from one of those zombie crafts. Yeah. So I think that that's kind of just the frustration in well, it. I think so, and I think that's where the independent label came in, right? The Bre mm -hmm. Brewers Association was like, hey, yeah. like, because they're, that, that, for me, that was, has been a frustrating thing of like, this it's being sold as craft but, yeah but is it craft right is it and you don't want to be bamboozled right right exactly right. yeah um so so that's where that independence seal uh -huh. came about right from the and how long ago was that it was just two years ago right that's it's 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 an ongoing campaign it's in its second year and it's kind of okay. a grassroots a small thing and and i've had some people that i know you know big brewing saying well, the BA is really in trouble, you know, because how are they going to define Sam Adams and Angry Orchard, and how are they going to define this? And I said, well, there's one thing they can define, and that's independence. And that's 100% okay. true. Right. Well, how? Like, how do you define independence? Well, I mean, it, basically, the, if the owner, per the BA guideline, is less than 25%, then you're still an independent brewery. But I can okay. tell you right now, Lumberyard Brewing Company, Winnie and Evan Hanseth, are 100% the sole owners. We have over 300 employees across two restaurants. The charities we support are in your neighborhood. Right. All those things that happen that come apart, that's because we're independent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And, said, and, and it's beer still of, of top quality. You said Brewers Association definition is that the owner has to have 75%? Correct. So any investor has to be less than 25%. Per, that's, I can, I, per I can tell you exactly. Per, per Brewer Association. Right. This isn't, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you what I'm, what I'm taking off of that. So right. no, less no, than 25 No, I understand what you're saying. But less than 25% of the craft brewery is owned or controlled or equivalent economic interest by a beverage alcohol industry member, which is not itself a craft brewer. Okay. Because okay. I was So that could be a capital fund. That could be different things. Okay. Right. Gotcha. So uh, Cigar City, a brewery that I loved for a very long time, was purchased by, I think, Fireman's Capital? Yep. Uh, same one as Oscar RP. Blues yeah. and a couple others. Uh, but they still have that independent seal. Because it's not... Oh, they don't look at it like a long-standing, large brewery that's been around and is at a certain level. And 
So there's a lot of talk about that and a lot of frustration with people, you know. <clears throat> really good friend of mine out of Colorado is like, so it's okay that we can all sit and be really upset about, you know, different breweries, but why doesn't anybody talk about Lagunitas being owned by Heineken? Why doesn't anybody talk about Firestone Walker yeah. being, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so why is it that there's a line drawn in the sand of what's okay and what's not okay? And it seems that those those breweries are exempt. Yeah. Well, they're not in my book. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> well, they're not exempt. And, and there's different things that make it attractive, right? So we brought up Duval, and Duval's a massive producer, right? But it, if you look at it as, as, a, as a, a salesperson's dream, a brewer dream, I mean, you've got probably one of the most highly regarded breweries on the East Coast with Oma Gang. Right. You've got Boulevard in, in St. Louis. Or not St. No. Louis, sorry, Kansas City. Yeah. People would be very upset with that. <laughs> anyway, Kansas City, and then, you've got, and then you've got Firestone Walker, which beers are great. So, I mean, when you look at that, and then you've got the mothership back there. So, if you look, that's one thing of big brewing that's kind of cool is you have all these resources in your basket. But it doesn't, like, like Bonnie's saying, it doesn't translate to this tap room and what this goal is here is to support small and independent brewing. Right. And right. I respect that. Yeah. Thank you. So, and why? Like, what, what was it about, like, that... Because obviously when you came into this, that was like, you were like, this is, this is what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Um, I've never been one that operates in gray areas. Um, I take a stand with something. And when I do that, I do it fully and 100% and passionately. Um, so when I decided to open this place, I knew it was going to be an extra stressor to only buy independent beer. Um to have to pull kegs that get purchased while I'm open. You know, it's oh, like, wow. I'm yeah. not going to sell that. And I have to do that 100%. I have to be very careful. I have to provide extra research. I have, we keep a list saved on our laptop of everything that gets purchased. It's, it's extra work. Um, I do that because I feel like um, there are some, some uh, strategic ways that big beer, I'm holding up hand quotes right now. <laughs> the people um, live in attendance, they see it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> people live in the tap room can see it, but not on the podcast. <laughs> so uh, big beer, uh, I think, would always exist, and, but they've taken measures to create market share and to buy distributors. Um, buying distributors, I think, is one of the, the main points that frustrates me. Um, because that takes away from their beer profile for independent breweries, right? So they spend so much time distributing Budweiser or Miller Coors that that little guy doesn't get the chance to distribute their beer and, and, and get a little piece of that pie. Um, so that frustrates me. Um, and then we see the, the Super Bowl commercials. Let's just go with that. You know, you see things where it's, it's, it's defined with them that they are fully... Uh, approaching an attack on on independent craft beer, and I don't. I think we can all coexist, and it doesn't need to be that way. There doesn't need to be this intense um, takeover. That's a hundred percent true. And Hess, we pay, honest to God, as little attention as possible to that because our focus is on us and what we're doing, and. You know, so much so that I, I'm at this point just blinders to stuff because, you know, it, is it worth the fight? Is it worth it to go out there and really put it up? And the thing is, is I, they shouldn't be attacking and nor should we be attacking them, you know. And so to claim our independence and be fiercely independent, I'm all about that. But that doesn't mean we're going out and pushing against them or speaking negatively about them. None of that is actually happening. And also, kind of flip side to that, reality is we understand that we also have a stigma that people don't drink our beer because they think we have too much beer too readily accessible. We understand. What, you're, you're like you guys specifically? Yeah. Okay. Textbook yeah. amazing styles yeah. though, right, Jeff? <laughs> Jeff has to everybody. Jeff, come over and jump on the microphone. <laughs> so, so you were saying that people give you shit for, yeah. for being too widely available. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah. It's fine. Realistically, we know who we are, and we've always brewed beers that we like to brew because we like to drink those beers, yeah. and so we stay true to it. I know exactly who I am, and I'm super confident in it, and it's okay if everybody doesn't like us. I'm all right with that. I don't ever need to be liked by everybody. That's just not a probability. Yeah. And he's the same way. So we do our beers. He does them just dead on to style, super clean. That's that. And we just, we kind of know who we are and what we're doing. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
No, that's good. And so with, we, you had mentioned like there's the attack on, on independent beer, right? Which is crazy because I think big beer, right? I think that depending on that, that definition of... It's arbitrary, know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But still, that's a huge... I mean, it's like from this random article I found on Wikipedia... Uh, it's like high 80s, right? They I'm going to go in and edit it right now. <laughs> no, 87, I'm sorry, wait, 84? Shit, it keeps going down. Uh, no, 87% of the beer is by those, by like 105 brewers, right? Mm-hmm. So so even, though it's crazy that they still dominate that much, yet they still have those that attack kind right. of with those with the commercials. You know and you can, I mean? you can look at the fact that 90% of the beer consumed in the world is still a gold yellow beer. Yeah, I mean that's right. you know even when we talk six million barrels, it's still a small section of the overall take. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was reading uh, an article recently that said that Blue Moon is the uh, most purchased, directly sold, so not draft or anything like directly sold on premise beer in 2017. Interesting. So more Blue Moon was sold than anything else. Like you go to a restaurant and get a, a draft. And that? Cor- not, no, directly sold uh, as packaged. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Packaged, going yeah. in on premise. So you think about that, and it's how many, how many young people in college don't have any idea who it's owned by, right? We were talking about that earlier. Same and, with Kona. Kona and, and maybe we start this branding subject <laughs> now, if you don't mind me broaching this, because it's uh, clearly Big Beer has started to rebrand themselves. Um, to look more like craft beer, right? Because if you can't yeah. beat them, join them. Join them, mm-hmm. yeah. What you can tie to so stone. So Blue Moon, what stone? Stone. So wasn't it stone Greg Koch that yeah. Greg yeah. Koch had that wonderful conversation online that he posted? Um, for those of you that don't know, Greg Koch is one of the founding members of Stone Brewing Company, and he has remained independent um, throughout the entire. It, Minus all of the times that he's been offered millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, uh, they've stayed independent. So uh, I, I don't remember which beer it was. Was it? It's Keystone. It was Keystone. It was Keystone. And it just says Stone. Um, and so they got into obviously a large argument and one that was very public. Um, but that's that's one of the perfect examples of big beer trying to. Uh, do exactly what it is craft brewers are doing. And I just feel like we can all coexist. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be something where they need to take us out. We can all exist. And there are so many people that love beer, whether they love Coors or they love Petal House's Light Lager. We can all do do this. We can all, there's room for everyone. And it's frustrating that they have to attack the way that they do with that stone situation. Thank you for bringing that up, Keaton. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I feel like big beer is obviously chasing dollars, and independent beer is chasing craft. And so when they're trying to buy up the craft and that doesn't work, they I think that's when they kind of go to that kind of thing where it's overstepping a boundary with whether it's the name of the beer or whatever but that's kind of what happens sometimes with big beer is that lawsuit continued yeah it's, it's ongoing it's still pending. we haven't yeah, gotten any no. okay of what what lawsuit uh keystone and stone. Oh, okay yes yes yeah. I, think I think that when you're looking pending. at that and it's it seems easy to say and we obviously from this perspective can say let's all get along because that's how we're feeling and that's how we can proceed but i think when you're talking about a company like um ab inbev when if they are losing so much market share. I forgot what the um, number was today. Do you remember, Rob, what they said this morning that Bud is down like eight percent? I don't remember what the Come number on, is, but Rob, they're losing. They're, <laughs> they're losing the most market share, and so that market share alone is more money in one day than any of us could ever venture to even look at in a so, lifetime. So meaning, right. like, if they, if they drop one, two, three yeah. percent. Right. Doesn't seem much, but no. for them, like, yes. with, like the, okay. yeah. so my one percent is considerably different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leah, are you saying we should feel poorly for them? No, no. And, and so I think it comes out of desperation, and and you know, it's sad that it's gone to that ugly direction because you know, again, back to my point, you know, that came out of a family-owned business in the Midwest that 
you know, probably never would have seen that 200 years later, that was, there we go. Bud Light down 9.1%. They are losing the most uh, right now. now. Which is like four times their alcohol level. I just got goosebumps. I think if we go back to kind of a combination, I think a combination of what Bonnie has said and what Leah has said, is and, and, and the independent piece is that is when I walk in here to talk to talk about our brewery, um, it, it's not a big marketing campaign. It's reality, right? Mm-hmm. So when we got to a certain level of sales, I was able to put two brewers on salary, right? They weren't hourly anymore. Yeah. They got benefits. There were things like it's a very tangible thing. Yeah. So you know, I'm proud of what we do, and so I sell it in here, just like your favorite pizza place. You know, you can watch Pizza Hut up here on a TV ad. It's like who cares? But the guy who down here at Stumpy's Pizza, just down this down from you guys here. I mean, that's a real thing, right? That guy fights hard every day. He's paying yeah. a rent. He's paying a mortgage, all these different things. So I think that's how we all connect with each other. So, that, yes, I mean, big beer, pizza, all those things like that. But when it really breaks it down, the places I go that are independent, the places that I want to support, the beers I want to support, are, are at this table. Right. right. Yeah. And then we talk about the American dream, right? So 100%. Isn't it, isn't it everyone's American dream to open a small business, 100%. have it be successful, and then sell it? I don't know about that. Well, but, <laughs> but isn't that? I write it. Let's let's talk about Wicked Weed and Golden Road and Ten Barrel. Yeah. I mean, these are these are companies that started very small, and then they grew it themselves. Uh, brothers at Wicked Weed, I believe. Yeah. Um, and there is that part of it where people always ask me, "Hey, but Bonnie, why do you support independent? These people are just living the American dream. That's what I hear all the time. Living the American dream. Well." Living the American dream to me is owning a successful business on your own. Um, But when that check is put in front of you, everybody's got a number. Everyone has a number. Everybody's got a number. Got a number. I love. I love Melissa. I love everyone at Four Peaks. I just can't buy the product because of what I believe in. I understand though that everyone's sitting pretty. Those four guys from ASU that decided to open up Four Peaks are really happy with themselves right now, and I'm happy for them. I don't agree with their decision, and that's okay. You know? like It's it's okay for us all to coexist. Right. Um, But I have my opinion, and they have theirs. So so here's a question I have, though, right? Because you always hear about ABM, right? It's that dark shadow lurking in the corners, right? But you also have, like, what, San Miguel, and you got Constellation, you got all these other ones. Is there a difference? Like, is there a difference between ABM, Bev, and... I think on our level, it's the nastiness of what, I mean, maybe not to, you know, somebody who's saying they're partially owned by somebody else, but they're officially not gunning for. Okay. And I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see those breweries actually buying breweries and keeping people in place. Like if you take Founders, everybody's still in place at Founders. If you take Avery, everyone at Avery is still in place. So at least they're... You know what I mean? Trying to help to get that brewery to the next level, be it right or wrong. I mean, I, yeah. I have no opinion of it realistically, but you know, it, I I just believe that at the core of it, there's a difference between the way that they're operating on a day to day basis of whether or not, quite frankly, you know, yeah, they probably all don't give a shit, but right. are they nasty about it? Right. <laughs> right. They don't have What's to be nasty. What's that differentiating between right. the uh, can we coexist or can do I have to eliminate yeah, you? Right? right. Yeah. But, but you disagree, Bonnie. You said that. Ballast that, point. Um, I don't know if, if you've heard yet, um, but a couple weeks ago they just now laid off like a hundred of the sales yeah. reps, um, and everyone thinks everything's great as they get new fermenters and they get new mash tons and everything's awesome and we all have benefits <laughs> now and Constellation bought us and it's great, or not Constellation? Who bought? Yeah, Constellation. Yeah, Constellation. Constellation. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so Constellation bought us and everything's great. And I spoke to a manager there who was like, I have the best benefits now. And then you look at it and it's like, well, give it four years because they're making decisions as we speak. And now a bunch of people got laid off. So it's like, I, I mean, our friend Dan, right? He's now at Grand Canyon because he lost his job. Right. And those things just, those things happen, but people think everything's going to be great and it's not great. So take crap back campaign from the Brewers Association. They did that, what, like two years ago? They're going to raise $213 billion. It, it was fiction. <laughs> was it really? The shirts? The shirts with the upside-down bottle? Take no, no I'm, saying, no, I'm saying they, they take crap back with the ad. Because yeah, I contributed $10,000, and they sent me a sticker. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so that was, it was meant to kind of be interactive. It didn't go as well as, I think, some of the, 
the Brewer Association ads that played across the ASU San Diego State game a few weeks ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the Brewer Association has targeted ads that are going in supporting local, or not, I shouldn't say local, but independent and, you know, small and independent craft brewers. And the nice thing was when the Brewer Association ran that ad talking about small and independent during a football game, which a, a big group of people in the Valley are watching in, and in San Diego, I kind of felt like, hey, that one's for us, right? Because yeah. we don't have yeah. the Super Bowl commercial. So when the Brewer Association ran that for us and it said, look for small and independent, then it plays into the concept of what Bonnie's doing here. And it, and it does right. what Lee and I are doing every day. So I kind of felt like we got something, right? right? For our membership dues and for all the times we go to conferences and all that, like there's a mobilized Just a effort. Piece. Just a little bit. But that's so when you talk about the Brewer Association and, and the, the things that they have rolling, it's going to continue. I mean, I talked to, uh, I talked to a guy at Sam Adams. I'm on the Market Development Committee for the Brewer Association. I talked to a guy at Sam Adams who'd done a full presentation for Rayleigh's in, in California where they've talked to the buyer about carving out a section of the set, albeit just about eight feet, that will only feature beers that have the crap, you know, Brewer Association independent label on it. So that's going to cut. Now, that may be all Sierra Nevada, New Belgium, and Sam Adams, but it is a step. So if it, if it does get this far or it gets into, you know, Kroger, which is fries and all those things, then it gives us a place and one more thing to talk about for Arizona breweries. And that's whether it's someone who's doing small batches like Ren House, might, have, might be able to get in three fry sets. Right. Uh, it might be someone, you know, like us that has capability to go in a few more. But there's, there, there are things at the Brewer Association, I think, in my opinion, that are giving us a chance. Gotcha. Uh, you said something about Sam Adams. Uh, let's talk about what is craft, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's a definition of that, and it has to do with barrels Ken? produced. What's the definition, Ken? Ken, the numbers guy, will realize that Sam Adams is Annual production of six million. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, Sierra Nevada, wildly produced everywhere. Very approachable and very accessible. Yep. Uh, also an independent order. craft beer company. So it's just just wondering no, I, what I, craft is and is it and is it based on barrels produced? Well, I mean, it, I'm only going on one for instance. Right. You're or if not I talk the numbers, well, the six million. I mean, oh, well, yeah. it's just that same number. <laughs> but well, I mean, what's I mean? But Jim yeah, Cook, no, Jim no, Cook no, is no. the sole owner of Sam Adams. Right. Ken Grossman, the sole owner of Sierra Nevada. Just much like. You know, when Fritz Maytag sold Anchor, Anchor yeah. to Sapporo, which there's another big player in the business, and Asahi's getting into the business as well, but you knew who it was, right? I mean, the buck stops with that person, you know, or, you know, Jack Joyce at Rogue and things like that. But so how you define it, I don't know. If, Sierra, if, if Sam Adams sells too much cider, then their malt beverage base then changes. Right. There, there's a lot of things. And, and like I said earlier... Big Beer will tell you the BA struggles with the fact that that number is arbitrary, but you can still define independence. So that's kind of where I'm at on that, and then it's to your own as far as choice. Well, what about, like, so you got, like, Syria, Nevada, which is independent, right? Right. Across all 50 states. Then you have Yingling. Yingling's independent as well, right? Family-owned. Family-owned for, like, 200 years. They made it through, like... Fifth largest brewer in the U.S. Yeah, which is crazy. I love Yingling. I really do, yeah. But Delicious. that's not widely available. I wish available. we could all have it. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not widely available, right? Keith, I know that you uh, you enjoy it. Uh, you're going to be uh, going to Ohio soon, so yeah. you'll be shipping those back to Arizona yeah. for bring me up, I- Irene's bring uh, me some. cases. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 those will not be available for purchase in a tap room. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, that's the tough part of like a brewery staying craft that like we can't get that even though we want it. Right. But you have like all the respect goes out to them for staying family owned for that long. Yeah. It's blowing I mean, me away. Like through a prohibition. Like, how do you do that? It's you make that's ice cream. Yeah, that is it's impressive like as shit. Yeah. But there's Who's part that? of that that makes it exciting, right? Right. That yeah. when we travel there, we get to have it. It makes yeah. it special. It, right. it is true to their state. And we talk about spotted cow. They will not distribute outside of their state. Like, there's things yeah. about that that is just, that's, it's, it's like warm hearted and like exciting. And I don't know if you're distributing outside of no. Arizona. Um, I'm Yangling sure, and New Glarus sure are like Huss and Lumberyard. Yeah. We're not going to yeah. distribute outside of our yeah, state. Yeah, not yeah. at all like that. No, <laughs> no yeah. and a lot of that, I think that when you talk about craft versus not, is honest to God, it's the that whole nostalgia. If there's nostalgia with a brand versus, you know, just 
everywhere and not, and you can get it in the casino. And if, and if I can go back to one thing, and, it, and sure. it's right in line with what you're talking about. Sure. So when we're talking about who defines craft, well, the consumer defines craft. That's a good point. Irene's tap room defines craft, yeah. or, or you know, that, that's who's defining craft, right? Yep. And then the BA can define independence, and we all know the difference. Does that make sense? Yeah, we all know the difference. I hope that everyone knows the difference. I've been considering putting out a list of who owns what and letting people know because I don't know that they know. And even sometimes I go online and I, I think, uh, what's that? Beer Advocate, one of those places. They keep a really good track of who's owned. What's the one that's owned by AB? Is it Rate Beer or Beer Advocate? Great beer, I think. Great beer. <laughs> I think it's great beer. Amazing. But Beer Advocate yeah. keeps a really good track of what's going on within Independent and who's yeah. been purchased. I go online sometimes and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't have that in my cooler right now, but I wanted to get it, you know, or I'll that's a really good product, but I can't support it anymore. Yep. I'll have it in um, my fridge and I'll be like, oh, man, they sold. I can't. Do people I know? You're it. saying the customer <laughs> defines it, but do they know? Because some of these purchases happen so secretively. No, it goes back to Randy, my neighbor, just buying the <laughs> right. cheap six-pack of IPA. Randy. Yep, yep. Randy. Randy. Well, was I mean, here? you were looking. No. Like, like I, I don't wish. think, I think there's a lot of people out there that think Lagunitas is still independent. There's people no that question. think uh, Ballast Point. There's people that think Firestone Walker is still. All great products, by the way. I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't attend Firestone Walker International Beer Festival right. every yeah. year. I'm not going to sit here and say that Sculpin isn't a textbook West Coast right. amazing beer. However, I don't know that there's people out... I think that there's a lot of consumers out there that have no clue. Girl, I'm here to tell you, it's about 95% of the consumers... That's what I think. <laughs> ...don't have. That's they true. don't know. Clue. They yeah. don't know. Do they care, though, too, right? That's another question. 100%. Right? But I will they? tell you. They could care. There's a lot of people that don't care. Right. There well, are. I mean, and, and to, to think otherwise, I believe, is foolish and you're insulating yourself because we live in a very small craft bubble. And outside of that craft bubble, they don't care. I'm an idealist. I'm sorry. No, listen, no, I spent no, so many years there. I get I it. You know, have good hearts. But, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. it's all in, in how we present to the market, right? So if I'm coming in to talk to somebody and they've got... 30 beers on offer, or they have four beers on offer. I mean, I can sit and say, do you want to support local Arizona independent business? Yes. Okay, well, I understand, like, when I go to the farmer's market, it's an $8 tomato, and it drives me nuts, right? It's great, I want to cut it up, I want to put it on, you know, focaccia, whatever. That doesn't count. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, but, but, it's, but if I go to the farmer's market, I'm, I'm $50 into a meal that I could go out for. Yeah. But you can support... Arizona local craft beer that's world class. The beers we're producing are world class, and pay same or less for a keg or a case. Right. And you're supporting local, and you're supporting independent. So I think it's that's the other piece of the conversation that we can take to market. It's yeah. no shit when I say it pays our, for our kid to go to school. Right. A hundred percent. We buy groceries to feed my child because this is what we do. You know what I mean? So. Right. It, that's the real, real of it, you know, to like or not or whatever. At the end of the day, people that are supporting us are putting food on our table every single night when we sit down to eat dinner together. I 100% agree. 100%. And I just joined this, like, just now, like, three and a half months ago. And people don't realize that every person that comes in and buys a $6 beer is paying my rent. Like, it's something that is very personal and it's and I don't think people understand that. I think they walk into a business and go, oh, well, I'm just here like everybody else. Right. And it's like, no, this is this is very personal for me. This is something that. Uh, oh, you need to see people... the bottom by Harper Wilson, my dad. Am I supposed to read this right no, now? No, we were just talking about kids and all that. That's just. Like... I'm very proud of my dad. No, it just it just my daughter is seven and she wrote that and put that in her class. I'm reading it. I'm reading it. My dad is my dad, the lumberyard brewer by Harper Wilson. This is great. It's only a paragraph, so just my dad is a lumberyard brewer for Lumberyard Brewing Company. My dad does not wear a uniform. My dad makes a lot of beer. Beer's capitalized, by the way. And it should be. My dad works with lots of people. My dad has lots of things to do. My dad goes to Flagstaff for work. My dad has a lot of calls when he's not at work. My dad likes his job. I'm very proud of my dad. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Ken Wilson, everybody. Ken We're Wilson. all proud. Yeah. And she, she clip-arted in a, uh, a pint right. of beer. And so. that's the part of it that it's, it's, it's very personal for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. This is that's something it. that she understands my dad leaves to go to a different city within the state right. and not spend time with me, but spend time with beer. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, like, no one understands how much time we put in this. Oh, yeah. It's very personal for all of us, and we hope that... And listen, on the flip side of that, I mean, not to take away from it, you know, or defend or whatever, because like I've said, you know, I take a neutral stance on it, but it doesn't mean that Andy Ingram and Jim Spessel and those guys at Four Peaks weren't all there and did the same thing and raised all their kids through all those years of the same thing. We love all of them. They all, Jim Roper's son is, is friends with my nephew in school. They all have been through the same thing with their kids that we're all going through. Right. So... We just wish they made a different decision. Hmm. Well, and I mean, <laughs> and it's fight? their decision to make. You it's know what theirs. I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's theirs. That's their independent 100%. ability right. to right. do that. Right. It's just you have to take every chance you can to relate to your customer when you talk to them. And there's things like that that at a parent-teacher conference yesterday, that's what I got. Yeah. And that's cool, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, yeah, and she also has Huss and Lumberyard stickers on her water bottle, and no one said anything yet, so that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ken, I wanted to bring something up, too. You, you and I were talking the other day, and you were sitting, so this, whatever you would call this, dilemma battle, is it's just not in the U.S., right? This right. Is, this, is, this is going on all over the place, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, by coincidence, I talked to a friend of mine in, in Belfast this morning, and he was talking about kind of the, the clone craft that's turning up in the off-license or walking into a, say, you know, because there's a lot of managed business, controlled business there, whether it's a, a Carlsberg pub or, a, a, you know, an InBev pub, and seeing, you know, wacky craft brands that are showing up next to Foster's or Carling or Carlsberg or Heineken and kind of a wolf in sheep's clothing. I mean, we talked about a lot of things, but that's one of the things he talked about. And then I linked you over to my friend Mark at Wimbledon Brewing Company, and they're seeing a huge surge in independence and, and, and craft brew, which there is mostly cask. And they're just now learning how to do keg craft beer in London. Oh, interesting. You know, so, um, you know, you've got Fuller's, which is the lead, the lead brewer in London. But Wimbledon Brewing Company, I mean, you know, going to see Mark's Place and Five Points in London, they, they're, they're still fighting for those same things. So Tesco is their fries or Waitrose is their bashes or whatever. So they still fight for that space. And there it's, it's even more dirty because there's third-party distributors, there's all kinds of things. So you're under, you're kind of being pushed in all directions, but the things that I know, even in Czech Republic, which is one other place that I know that InBev and Heineken have bought breweries there, Molson Coors have Staropromen, and it was actually about kind of selling Coors Light to people in Czech Republic, which is just, it's a, beer's a sacred thing in Czech, so yeah. that's why Budvar is still, still kind of the king, where Pilsner, when it was owned by Miller Coors, they, they'd never brewed at any place except in Pilsen, and then they're brewing it in Poland, to send to to Russia, so it, it, it's it's a stick in the eye for them too. Was there something I heard that uh, Budweiser copied Czech Vars recipe? Oh. Was that a real? No, thing? that well, that, that was when it, I mean when Augustus Bush went to look for the recipes that he wanted to use, the Czechs are who he admired the most, and you know Budvar and Budweiser, and that's basically where that became. But they they, they they're in they're in they're in litigation around the world for the name. Right. So like they, they're they're Czech Var here. Their Budvar in, you know, England, or their Budweiser in Spain, right. and it goes on and on. So, but it's it's a never-ending battle, and if it ever comes for sale, there's only one buyer, yeah. and that'll be AB. Yeah, right, right. The dark shadow. But yeah, it, it, it's everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, I got some listener questions, some tap that AZ fan questions, but tap before, that ass. Tap right, because you ass. asked, you asked tap a couple days ass. ago on Instagram, yeah? I did, yeah, we got some good ones, you too. You got we some got questions? We got some good ones, yes. Awesome. So, my boy Joel Flowers says, so this brings it back to Arizona crap here, right? So, Great. is there, well, first, let me ask this first, before we get into that one, because I think it'll segue good, is what, what can we do, right, as, as consumers, or, um, you know, how can we help this let's start with keaton i think keaton how can what we can what can we do as consumers to help to continue to support independent um i would say make an effort to get to your breweries that are near you and spread that message to your friends and family so my dad asked me hey where what beers do i grab at fries uh from a client that i want to like get a gift here i'm like We'll leave fries. <laughs> right. Go go into fries. Actually, the only one. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, Naughty Pie. Hus, Hus is <laughs> Burn one fries. of the few. Thanks. I'm the only one available. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, Leah. Thanks. But for the most part, like aside from them, you have to kind of go to the brewery. Right. I mean, it it does kind of serve as like an inconvenience to some, but you kind of have to push the point to go support local, go to this brewery, that brewery. They're not that far from your house. Right. So that's, I mean, just putting that out there, that message of supporting taking local. Taking the time. Yeah, taking the time. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this. So, and I know this might be kind of a weird question to ask, but would you rather have somebody go into your tap room and buy a pint or go into the store and buy beer you know what i mean like would you do you want them to go through initially the my answer to that is completely ridiculous and so much like deeper than that because our thing is all about like sense of community so if you're going to go into our tap rooms i love it go in and sit and talk to people that are next to you and like really like check out what that environment is like really understand what that neighborhood is like but if you're going to fries and getting a six pack and you're taking it back to your neighborhood like we are i'm all about that too because if we're hanging out in the cul-de-sac with four other families that's your community you know what i mean so i don't know that it matters as long as that is like at the root of what the consumerism is about and to that point money talks so spend your money where you want to spend your money to show support Locally, yeah. yes. Yeah. And to add to that, um, when I say go to your local brewery, like Crowlers have helped that out a little bit, but there's a select few breweries in this area that you can go to the tap room and buy a four pack of 16 ounce cans. Okay. And that's yeah. kind of what I refer to, like uh, Goldwater or uh, Ren House. Like these breweries have four packs waiting. If you want to take a beer home and have it on the couch, which a lot of people do, mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's a good thing yeah. for local beer. Let's get to Joel Flowers' question. So he asks, <laughs> is there anything you currently see holding back Arizona craft beer from growth, from major growth? Um, I think that from what I have seen and my experience in the industry, um, I don't think anything's holding it back. And I think that people need to understand we're just a little bit behind those big beer cities and states, but that's actually a good thing because reality is those favorite beer states and cities of ours are seeing declines in their sales. And so we still have a strong market, 100%. And so we still have a strong market and we still have access to, you know, new beers and new breweries and things like that. And so we're actually in a really good space. So I personally do not think that there's anything holding us back at this point. So we're kind of going on that. We're we're on the right path. Still, we're still growing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we are definitely on the right track for, for growth and, and what we can do here. Hang on. Is that some numbers coming in? Oh my yeah, God. yeah, yeah, I got, I got, I got a spy out there. I think like what Leah said, you're seeing a lot of regional brewers getting hit. I think you're seeing a lot of, you know, and, and if we go back to what, you know, what, what matters to distributors? They're making money. They're making money on local Arizona beers. Yeah. You know, so, that, and that, so if they're making money on a, on a, a, a lumberyard pint, then maybe it's a Goldwater pint. Maybe it's a Phoenix Ale pint. Maybe it's, you know, what, whatever that may be, right? Whatever that next, you know, Ren House is, is doing a nice job. There's, a, you know, Wonderlust. There's a lot of good breweries. So, you know, that success is out there. And if, and if distributors make money on local craft beer and something that's regional is, is falling off, they're looking to get in. The only thing I can see is, you know, from a route to market, I'd like to have, you know, like Young's right now currently as a distributor, they support local craft beer. Um, you know, so I, I... Yeah, Arizona Beer Insider and Quail... But the one thing about Young's has a statewide reach. Right. So I think I think having, you know, three right now, three viable distributors that can take you statewide or a network that takes you statewide, I think that I don't want that to go Crescent to two. Crown, Hensley, and Young's? Yes. Is that what you're saying? For, for okay. a statewide reach. I mean, as far as being able to hit every corner. So you can sell beer in Thatcher, Bisbee, yeah. Page. You know, so I mean, where Arizona right. Beer Insider and Quail do an excellent job, they, they just don't have the resources to get there. But they will if they carry more Arizona beer, probably. Yes. But is there is there a, I mean Hensley's owned by who do we know you know so it's like I, I, will I mean, Quill get there can they get there I mean yeah, I think I, when you're talking about the differences with Crescent Crown and Hensley versus you know Quill and whatnot they're just more established they've been around a longer time they have bigger portfolios okay. they've got roots I mean you go into Crescent Crown and there's pictures of Zeb Pierce brewing or Zeb Pierce distributing black and whites. 
You know what I mean? I mean, it's been handed down through families for generations, and I think that's really why they've had the leg up as far as, like, coverage and expansion and trucks and et cetera. I mean, they, they, but, but they do provide a route to market for us, and that's, what, that's all I'm really saying is that, that, you know, we have three distributors that go statewide or have a network that goes statewide, and I think that's an advantage for us. And the other thing is we have great state laws. So for, for self-distribution, we can yeah. distribute up to 3,000 barrels. So it does give Renhouse, Wonderlust, some of the people that I talked about earlier, I think it's an excellent, it's an excellent place to, right. to cultivate and create a really great brewery. And then when you get to a point where you don't want to move kegs anymore and your shoulder hurts, then you have options. Because if you're doing 3,000 barrels of distributable business, you're a hot brand. Yeah. So we have super, you know, super good laws for brewing that places, other places just don't have. Gotcha. And let's yeah. not get it twisted. The reality is, is the only reason that Husk Brewing Company has distribution in the state and access to market like we do is because the house that we're in has Miller Coors and Heineken and large brands like that. And they're the ones that are putting the trucks and things on the street, be that a popular feeling or not, that is how our access to market is approached. So, so you're saying you have them, you, you're very middle road. What it means is that the infrastructure of the company that distribute us, mm -hmm. distributes us is there and has been established because they're already distributing those things. So when right. we went in and we spoke to them and they took us on and said, we can take you in this region. They only have that ability because they, they do only have, have that portfolio. region because okay. they have those portfolios and they sell those okay. beers. Okay. Yes. Uh, the original question was? What do you currently see holding Arizona beer back from okay. major growth? Okay, so we're not San Diego, we're not Portland, we're not Denver. We're a few, year, few years, I feel like, behind that. Um, but in the last five years, and since the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild has, has made a large push in supporting local beer, um, I feel like we've gone from what? When I first, seven or eight years ago, when I first started drinking craft beer, we were at like 65, and now we're at 110, I feel like, breweries. And, and I'm sure Rob Fulmer can tell us more about how many more we have coming. Um, but right now, I mean, we're over 100, and we're, we're trying really hard to be there. I feel like the thing that, that genuinely keeps us from opening, breweries from opening, is the city, of, the, the, city the government. Um, while we have great state laws regarding alcohol and, and beer, um, I spent eight years in commercial real estate before I decided to open this place, and I represented breweries. I, I spent the time to understand what it is to get open, and it's exhausting. And I know Leah's been through a nightmare. Right. Um, for it, it took a year or two. Well, um, the reason we went to Tempe was because they were very brewery friendly. So your point is 100% valid. I think, yeah, City of Phoenix. Um, is extremely difficult. City of Scottsdale is extremely difficult uh, with getting open and use permits and this and that. Uh, and they, they, Scottsdale has like a no packaging, you cannot be a production brewery and also have a tap room. So we looked you forever. You have to stack licenses then. It, you're not even, they told us, don't even go before city council, it won't happen. So, Gotcha. Mm. Like you can distribute like cans out of right. your tap room, but you yeah, can't. Yeah, but that's go, it. Yeah. So we... Not to completely digress in the situation, but Jeff and I joke that they have everything but our child, the bank, because we've put it all on the line. And we put it on the line, and we walked out the door, and then we spent a year and a half looking and approaching. And by the time we got to City of Scottsdale, because we lived in Scottsdale, and went to them, they said, good luck trying. They're not even going to hear your case at City Council. They don't want yeah. any part of it. Interesting. Yeah, and that's stuff people don't even know about, like how no. hard it is to... Because I know, Bonnie, when we did your episode a few weeks ago, that was like the, the, the troubles you went through to get this place open. Right. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. And it's something that you're sitting there with money and a good heart and no one gives a shit. Right. Yeah. And there's nothing that you can do. You can't. It's not like the mob where you can just pay people off. Like they, they genuinely. Well, well maybe. You know, well, 30 years ago. The how government. Do, yeah. Is this mic on? Because uh, I. <laughs> Ken might have a guy. Check, I wouldn't check, do that. Check, I would. check. I'd never suggest it. Yeah. Well, it wasn't Fulcrum. something Aaron and I wanted to do. Yeah. We weren't willing to throw money at people. The point is, is that we were a couple that wanted to start a small business that created a community for the city of Phoenix. Right. Right. And something in this in this neighborhood that 
was lacking and yeah. needed it and and, and it yeah. needed it yeah. right leah thank you and it's something that like it took us a year we signed this lease in july of 2017 and did not open until july of 2018. that is a full 365 days of exhausting uh just shit. right like it was it was it was every other day they were telling us another $450 yep. fee, another $1,380 fee, this and that, and sprinklers and this. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, it's a way for the government to make money. I understand that. And I will say right now, I am a Democrat, and I believe in pay, paying taxes, and, and, <laughs> and I, believe in, I believe in our government. How, not right now, but, and, <laughs> but I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to believe in what they were doing, but it got to the point where I got so frustrated that I had to call my city councilman. I had to call Sal DeCicio's office, and sure enough, two days later, we had our inspector out, and they let us open. So, it, so Joel Flowers, and then there was no other questions? Thank you, there Joel. There were other questions, like uh, the stigma of selling out the big beer. The stigma. The stigma. Did we cover that? Why is it so hostile? We've got to go on through that, yeah, I think, yeah. haven't we? Distribution challenges. Um, what's it like? You know, what about breweries? I think like we stone? made it pretty clear. Yeah, like, we covered I think these. the only point that we didn't talk about as far as that is access to market for people. When you really talk about it, and yeah, when you yeah, and when you talk about the sets in the grocery stores, and you know, we're slowly getting edged out more and more and more. You know. It really is up to the consumer 100% to walk into Fry's and say, this is what I want. Because if it's not there, it's not going to be there by somebody just pitching it. So if they're working from this side and they're not getting it, it also needs to come from the other side. You know, And it would really be a damn shame if all of the other breweries in the state couldn't have their beer readily accessible to purchase just because all of a sudden it's being taken up by somebody else. And I think we saw that, what, a year ago? Yeah, for sure, a year ago. When most Arizona craft just got booted out and hasn't gone back. No. So they're making the choice for the consumer at this point. Interesting. And and, and I'll kind of build on that. I think, think, you know, we can cover a lot of topics, but what I always want to talk about is what we win on. And 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 it's everything from, you know, getting the guild involved with, you know, who your local representative is, you know, or contacting your council person or... You know, the the charities we donate are in your neighborhood. And, you know, I mean, I know like Hangar 24, like after the, the shootings in San Bernardino, raised $256,000 wow. they weren't expecting. Wow. And donated that directly to the family, the oh, victims so of that. Cool. Right? So when we talk about, and I mean, you know, and Hangar has an event this weekend in Lake Havasu, and they have, you know, they have a, a tap room and a, and a small brewery, albeit small, but they're part of our community. Yeah. And so when I look like things like that, like what we win on, yeah. right, what I'm going to be able to talk to you about. Or to Bonnie about, or what Lee and I talk about, and we talk about our kids, and we talk about all those things. It's we're right here. I'm right in front of you, right? It's not a charity in Colorado that the money's right. going back to. It's not that you know what I do every day is right here. I went yeah. to Desert Cove. I went to Shea Middle School. I went to Shadow Mountain High School, and I went no, right on and Arizona State <laughs> University, man. But I went to Mercury Mine. Oh, my kids go to Mercury Mine. Anyway, that's a, that's a sidebar conversation, but that's that's what we went on. That's yeah. who I talk to when I talk to a buyer. That's what I talk to. Say, why do customers want it? Because of this. This is why. Yeah. This is the difference. This is who I am. This is who we are collectively mm-hmm. as a group. So when we talk about the community, it's every single person sitting at this, tomato, at this table and who here. promotes us, and everybody who sits out here okay. who promotes us, and Rob and Jeff and everybody else is here. So to the community. Consumers. Yes. So I think, I think if I was going to take one thing from this, this, this bundle here, it's, it's, it's what this community is and who we support and who we are. Yeah. Right? So if you go to Hoosiers, right, I'd rather, I'd rather support who we are instead of who we are not. Agreed. That's it. Drop That's a the mic. Can, yeah. can pull that Thank out of you. there and drop it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. I think we, we covered everything, and this is exactly what I wanted, so... Thank you guys all so much. Thank Eric, you, Eric. Thanks for having us. Yeah, that's Absolutely. great. Man. I love the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Very Are we going to do this again? Yeah, we're. Uh, Maybe should you we should tell everyone about. Covered new topics. Get some new people in here. Um, and new panels. And I won't be on it, so it's going to be at Irene's tap room. But we're going to get new panels every time, and yep. we're going to talk about new things and love it. We're that's ready. great. No, this has been really great. Thank you for hosting. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, yeah. thank you Eric. Being a part of the panel. Yeah. You guys. Thank you, Eric. Plug your uh, your. Huss Brewing Company. Huss Brewing Company, five-year anniversary, Saturday, Sing Meadows. Yep. 
Banks still own everything but our daughter, and that is not a joke. <laughs> Just want you to keep that in mind. We might be big, but they've got us by the balls. So thank you. <laughs> That's this Saturday? This Saturday, 4 to 9, Sing Meadows, next to Big Surf. We're going to have bands, s'mores, 20-some beers on tap, um... Any rice pudding porter? Yes. Okay. There will That's be rice the pudding porter. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I'm there. it's funny that these s'mores came before the 20 plus beers on top. What do you, yeah. What do you think I'm about? Sorry, the season. My daughter's porter. got her Lola Soda's lemonade stand oh, and soda nice. stand. Yeah, That's of awesome. course, because she's got a hustle. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? <laughs> Yard games. And, yeah. I see what you did there with the hustle. Oh, she's like, hustle. you want to know who the boss of Hus Brewing Company is? Lola Bell Hus. Lola. 100%. Little boss. Yep. Ken? Yeah. Uh, Lumberyard Brewing Company, you know, come see us up in Flagstaff. You know, so, you know, come out and try our beers where better beer is sold, off-premise, on-premise. I just couldn't be more proud of who we are and what we do when we're family-owned and we give things back. And, you know, we rescued the old building, which was built in 1890. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Hanseth family, you know, it, it can't be underestimated. I mean, they put everything on the line. They put $3 million yep. in that building when the economy was at the bottom. And now it's a community gathering space. And I just couldn't be more proud of, you know, every place I've worked in my entire career and I've, I've bounced around, done a bunch of things, I couldn't be more proud of, of, of what Gene Olmquist and all, my, all of our brewers are doing and the beers are clean yep. and kick-ass. Amen. And, you know, I, I still love selling beer, man, after 23 years. And, and I guess the one thing I can say is when I got in the business, I was handing out pine glasses. And now, 23 years later, I'm handing out pint glasses. <laughs> and I'm proud of the fact that I'm still able to do it. Oh, yes. we, we appreciate thank you guys. it. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, guys. Yeah. Best, it is. Uh, let me throw this out there real quick. Don't best, go ahead. Best, best patio in Flagstaff. Yeah. Thank you. Right? Mac and cheese balls with sweet and sour yeah. sauce. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Mac yeah. and cheese with pulled pork on you it. You can't like, go to Flagstaff without getting life. the mac yeah. and cheese balls at Lumberyard. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, and now that I've got a full commercial, you should try the chili as well. So, uh, I think it's my turn, and I am so honored to sit next to two of my um, heroes in this industry, oh, to be honest. Thank you. Oh, to your right. I just met you, Keaton, today. You don't count yet. I was like, that, was, that was really But you have a done hero. a lot of things. You have done a lot of things. But, uh, Leah Huss is one of the strong women uh, in this industry that runs a company with her husband um but we all know who really does yeah, it he's, he doesn't do it no, <laughs> he <I'm just> <laughs> um but like, she is what? she is a strong <laughs> woman and that's what we stand for here at irene's tap room uh irene's is named after my great-grandmother was uh irene cummins that's and cool. I didn't know that. uh that's great. yeah and it's but it, it's something that is very important to me that women get to come to the forefront of beer mm-hmm. and 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 Men don't just like beer and women don't just like wine. Amen. So it's like there's there's something to be said for that, right? Yep. We dismantle stereotypes here at Irene's. And to sit next to Ken Wilson, who is so respected and one of the classiest men in this industry, like means the world to me. There's a lot of things that go on in beer that aren't awesome, but um, there's amazing things that happen, and Ken is part of that, and Leah is, and it just it means the world to me that you guys are here and that you wanted to participate, and Eric wanted to host it here, and um, I'm just the new person, and I'm sorry that I talk so much. <laughs> We'd love for you all to come down and have a craft beer or a glass of wine, and I read Stavroom. Okay, bye. <laughs> Keaton, that's a that's that's tough to follow. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm also a beginner in all of this, so I'm gonna say, just support these guys to my right. <laughs> support your local beer bar, your local brewery. They work yes. their asses off, and <laughs> but yeah, support support local that. all the time whenever you can. Yes, that's all Amen. I gotta say. Thank you, Keaton. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And tap that easy podcast. Tap that easy dot com. My goal is to help Arizona become a craft beer destination. And if, it ha- if, if that involves coming to places and drinking beer with awesome people, it's a tough gig. Then tap that <laughs> ass. Yeah. Yeah. Tap that ass. Thank you guys all for listening. Yeah, Joining thank in. You. Yes, thank you. Thank you all. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the show. Show some support to Irene's Taproom. These guys are awesome. Just a great place run by awesome people. Check them out. They're on 12th Street Northern in Phoenix. And um, 
Come Tap That AZ sent you. So check out the events for both them and Tap That AZ to see when the next uh, live recording of the podcast episode will be. And also, if you're looking to support the show, which is much, much appreciated, uh, check out the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash tap that AZ podcast. So different tiers that you can um, contribute certain amounts per month and get certain uh, things in return, whether it's early access to some content, whether it's behind the scenes videos that I'm going to start shooting here pretty soon, whether it's merchandise, whatever it is. My thanks to you for helping to support this show and support Arizona beer. So you guys are awesome. Love you guys. The Patreon supporters so far. uh, Thank you guys so much. We've got Chris Odom, Jim Flager, and Marcus Pena. Thank you guys so much. And Marcus Pena actually is the uh, Brewery 602. Does some reviews for the News and Reviews episode. So double shout out to Marcus Pena. So um, always remember, stay awesome.